the IAB podcast from SNK Studios. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Verizon Media. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and this week we're tackling another heavyweight topic, transparency. Where is every penny going in the journey from advertiser to an impression appearing on your screen somewhere? And why does transparency even matter if your online advertising is delivering against the objectives you set? The IAB are doing plenty to tackle the issue of transparency, and we'll be getting into the weeds of it all with the what's, why's and how's with an expert industry panel. Plus, we have the treat of an ultra-efficient explainer on our transparency FAQs lined up, followed by a sprinkle of salacious industry gossip in Overheard at the IAB. And we go gallivanting off to Quantcast HQ, well, Shaftesbury Avenue, to pose some not-so-challenging questions to their UK Managing Director, Ben Murphy. So, whether you're listening to this as you stride purposefully into the office, or from the comfort of your own bathtub, we hope that by the end of this episode, some of the key issues around transparency will have become crystal clear. Now, given the IB's mission is to build a sustainable future for digital advertising, a big part of this future means having increased transparency in the online advertising supply chain. Put simply, how can agencies and advertisers understand where value is added along the journey of the campaign? And can we shine some light on those parts of the supply chain where it's not quite clear how the cash is being used? Joining me to get into the stuff that really matters uh, is Roly Bourne, founder of Resonance, and Lauren Dick, business development director for the Mail Online. So, Roly, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having yeah. us. Uh, Roly, often it's trust and transparency and it covers lots and lots of different things, but what do what, what, what do you mean when you talk about transparency in the context of, of digital advertising? Sure. So, I mean, I worked in the city until four years ago mm. and high-frequency trading and all the methods of sh- buying and selling shares was thought of as very complicated back there. But somehow we've made in media... The idea of putting an ad in front of a human, very, very complex Mm. in the entire supply chain of programmatic and and advertising. And I suppose the big question is a huge number of people don't really know the value that people are bringing to the table and therefore aren't really sure what they're delivering. And do you find that it often gets confused with trust, Lauren? Uh, yeah, I think that we've kind of we have a habit of conflating multiple issues into one thing or yeah. into one sort of one topic that everyone can get their buzzwords around that thing. Um, so I think they're actually very different when we talk about transparency of the supply chain and transparency of the ecosystem. There's a, a really clear understanding of what that means technically and how mm-hmm. we can address it versus trust, which is a much more subjective and opinion led kind of softer metric to try and establish and there's loads of other stuff going on the work the AA are doing around trust trust in advertising more broadly so I think you're probably right I think it probably does get uh, probably does get conflated Uh, I guess people will understand that transparency is about looking at every bit of the chain and working out what's adding value what's not or even just knowing about it Um, why is it important though Roly? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a tough one. I, I think we're in a really interesting place at the moment with with the world of editorial. We've just had the Ken Cross review, of mm. which the IB and I did for Resonance, um, reported on and consulted with her on. Um, but the clear issue is with the amount of people that are buying ads across an ecosystem and the number of people who are being involved in that, 
if the end publisher isn't making enough money to mm. survive without a, a paywall or something equivalent, uh, then media in general is going to be in real trouble. And so this is an important is- issue, not just for our little ecosystem, but actually for the whole of society and access to free information. Yeah. Um, uh, and do you think, Lauren, if, if something's working... Should we question whether or not it's transparent? I mean, there's loads of models in different industries of the world where we sort of accept and if it stops working, we might question it, but if it continues to, we do. So is it really important? I think everybody, everyone who has a business, whether they're a publisher or an advertiser or a tech vendor, they have to understand what success looks like for Mm. their business and for their model. So there will be a very different opinion of what the key areas of transparency and which should be addressed first and which areas should be prioritised, they will look very different from whichever angle you're kind of coming at it from. I think that we absolutely should look to clean up bad actors and we should look for transparency end-to-end mm. in knowing who we're working with, knowing where a brand's money is going, knowing how a publisher or the end supply of inventory is being rewarded fairly for that. But it's it's, again, it's down to the advertiser it's down to the person who's spending that money to understand that it's working for their objectives yeah and do you get specific questions whether it's agencies or it's advertisers directly you have people coming to you asking yeah if i if i put x amount of money in how much actually comes through to you as a publisher yeah i think the the challenge is that as a publisher we don't know how much money's put in so there's a lot of work kind of happening at the moment where like around transparency acts and actually will we get that full data set Mm. and will we get to see exactly what that supply chain looks like so that we can start to evaluate where it's being lost but we're not there yet i think that the industry will galvanize around that but there is it's only as good as the tech and the technical resource that both a publisher and an advertiser have available Mm. to actually investigate that and to start to unpick what is a really complex and huge data set yeah and I guess the moving forward is where, where you guys have come together on it. So as part of the group, I mean, Tim's going to come on and talk about the transparency FAQs that you've both brilliantly fed into later on. But that was kind of your meeting of minds to go out and galvanise others, I guess. Yeah, um, it was actually Lauren. Meeting of minds? Yeah. <laughs> Lauren was not necessarily... exactly that. It was a Friday morning meeting of minds. <laughs> Lauren may have been rather vocal in these sessions, but oh, well, what, what, I, what I would say is to have brands like Pepsi and, and Google, the advertiser in yeah. the room, have members of Group M and publicists in the room, uh, have publishers like the Mail Online and Hearst, and, and some of the vendors, you know, Resonance, Teeds, Inskins from the ad tech space. So it's huge that all these guys are getting together and trying to preempt change because obviously we're not happy with the current status quo. That's that's the thing. The issue that we have is that unless there is enough of a deterrent around a certain issue, we've seen it with GDPR, Mm. that's the first time there's really been a clear penalty laid out so that people can't remain bad actors. They have to comply. And almost to solve any issues around transparency, there needs to be a clear understanding of what the penalties are, how they're being enforced, and what the standards set by the IAB or and everyone to come together around what that should look like as a best practice. That's really interesting. Yeah. And measurement we talked about in the last episode, and we came to the conclusion very quickly, there's no silver bullet for measurement. Uh, is there a silver bullet for transparency, Rowley? Um, Lauren is shaking her head, so I'm going to let her go for that one first. (laughs) I I don't think so. I think that it's a bit like whack-a-mole in that the industry moves on so quickly Mm. that we'll fix one problem and there will be the next angle, there will be a next better standard that we'll be achieving. So it will never be, well, we've solved that. Um, That's Everything's a utopia now, so let's leave it there. Mm. I think that 
the challenge is kind of how do we how do you break it down into something that's manageable rather than like measurement it's impossible to tackle measurement as a whole but if you start to unpick well what's what's what are the important areas of measurement and what drives the most value what has the most impact on ROI or from my perspective what has the most impact on yield you can start to unpick quite manageable segments within that and the same is true for transparency if we start to break it down into something that's like actually what are we focused on and the question the questionnaire is a great start for that because it's manageable it, it sets out a standard for what people are willing to share up front and then it can be dug into depending on what you need yeah totally and is there a we've all sort of seen that chart which is i put a pound in at this end as an advertiser and publisher x ends up with 30p and somewhere along the line someone's robbing or stealing the 70p could, could it ever be that you put some money in and, and the intermediaries in a way are sort of adding the value so there's value in in the brand safety bit there's value in the um the, the bit that's looking at the page contextually or, or are we always going to be on this narrative of it's taking money away yeah that's that's a great point i mean brand safety if you've got a, a whitelist of publishers, you don't necessarily need brand safety. You know, the 10 o'clock news was a great place to advertise in TV uh, mm. in, in the bygone days. So why isn't advertising on the, the front page of the, the editorial media not a great place? So That's a great point. E- each point, there is um, each element of the tech stack, there is a reason they are there. And it's normally to cover up a, a mistake or an issue the industry has created. Um, you know, I've got big hopes for things like Ozone mm. and actually an exclusive walled garden between all of the publishers, which I know has been talked about many times before and <laughs> hasn't come to fruit. So <laughs> whether it will do in, in the future, I don't know. But, but the idea of a walled garden where the buyers can just go straight in and buy what they're after would would clear up a lot of these problems. And then the whole pound would be making it because yeah. you're only adding adding layers to clear problems you're creating by going on the open exchange yeah and 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 i I mean just on that i think that if if we can uh validate the whole way through so as part of transparency if you can validate the Mm. whole way through the chain then it's really clear to see where the value is being added and our pricing we have a whole ecosystem that is set up to respond in the fastest increments of time to the things that impact pricing so it should be something that's really tangible to see the impact of what's valuable what's not but we need to have that viewpoint on the whole chain to be able to make those decisions yeah that's a really good point and um i feel like we could talk for so much longer but that's all we've got time for um thank you so much roly uh thank you lauren absolute pleasure thank you for having us thank you And if you want to read our transparency FAQs and the answers we've already been given, or answer them yourself, or clear up a few things around transparency, visit our transparency hub at iabuk.com forward slash transparency. And now it's time for Two Minutes On, the section of the podcast which is designed specifically to give you the know-how on some of the more complicated areas of digital advertising, vis-a-vis make you sound even more cleverer than you already do. And this week, it's the turn of our Transparency FAQs. And here to explain it for us in a mere 120 seconds is Tim Alkington, our Chief Digital Officer. Hello, Tim. Hi, James. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Should we just get straight into it? Uh, In a nutshell, then, what are the Transparency FAQs? So the Transparency FAQs are a set of 20 questions that were developed by IAB members that you can ask of any company that's operating in digital advertising. And the answers to the 20 questions will show you their attitude to transparency, give you a little bit of detail on how they operate in several key areas, like pricing, placement and data, uh, and generally show you how open that company is. 
the important thing to say mm. is that they're not a cure or a silver bullet for transparency. Are they helpful? Yes. Do they solve all the problems? No. And um, how easy is it for a, a company or individual to do them? So it's really easy. Uh, literally, all you have to do is I send you the 20 questions, mm-hmm. you send me the answers. Uh, we then put them into a sort of branded PDF that's attached to your member profile on the site that anyone could access. And we also highlight the companies that have done it uh, at ibuk.com forward slash transparency. Uh, and how many have done it so far? So we're up to about 20 at the moment. Mm-hmm. What we really want is as many people to do it as possible uh, because we just feel it's a really useful contribution to the questions that we're being asked about digital advertising and about transparency. Brilliant. Thank you, Tim. That was great. And now you're grounded in the basics of what they are, you can find out more about the transparency FAQs, as Tim said, at ibuk.com forward slash transparency. Time for some salacious gossip from the depths of the industry. Well, sort of. This section of the podcast is called Overheard at the IAB, and it's the part where we catch up on all the news and goings on from inside the walls of the IAB's Longacre office. I'm joined today by our very own Sophia Armin, Director of Campaigns. Welcome, Sophia. Hello. Hi. So uh, it's Leadership Summit week, um, and the work that you've been doing uh, around uh, inclusion, equality, diversity had its root in, in, I guess, a year ago at last year's Leadership summit so tell us what you've been up to yeah so last year the leadership summit hosted um, a range of town halls on diversity and there was a massive appetite for the ib to do something which was great to see Mm. there's obviously a lot of initiatives out in the industry around this area Um, but there was a real appetite for us to do something to bring the industry together to share knowledge to help everyone move along. Mm. So we set up um, our own advisory group, which slightly exclusively is uh, made up of (laughs) our board. Um, They were the ones that were very vocal and interested and and already had initiatives going. um, And we wanted to do something quite quickly. So we've met a number of times and we're sort of starting to uh, reveal the fruits of our labours, I suppose. Um, And what have you got coming up? So um, just this week at the Leadership Summit, we'll be releasing our new how-to guides. So we have developed these with the view that every business and every employer or manager or employee has a number of things that happen throughout the course of your kind of career. And wouldn't it be helpful if someone had already had that experience and maybe could share some top tips and guidance in those spaces? So we're looking at things like how to support age diversity. Our industry is pretty renowned for Mm. being maybe a certain age generation. And there's lots of benefits of mixing it up. So this gives you top tips on why and how to do it. Also things like how to recruit a diverse and inclusive um, workplace Mm -hmm. or team, how to help people return from work. A lot of people Mm. have parental leave or um, maybe have been off sick. How do you help those people, even if they've been out um, on a break for a number of years? How do you help them get back into work? What's the best thing for them and the team around them? So this offers lots of uh, handy hints and um, useful reading and and some advice on on watch outs as well. And you've been out meeting all number of people some amazingly interesting people but some interesting job titles as well exactly um so whether it's been sort of just inclusion diversity and equalities quite a mouthful when we're talking (laughs) about this but interesting seeing some people with titles such as belonging you know Mm. that that idea of everybody needs to feel that they belong at um at their place of work and that actually sort of straddles any um form of diversity that we may have so it, it that's more important than than being told that you're an inclusive company the fact that you actually feel like you belong that people value you for your merits the the background you come from the ethnicity that you have your gender and so on belonging is is really important yeah and i guess walking the walk is as important 
important as talking the talk. So um, what about us as a, as a business, 30-person business? What have you been doing to help us? Yeah, and it's interesting because we are probably smaller than a lot of the members mm. that we work with. But there's lots that, that we've already started to do, um, whether that's including um, an inclusive kind of phrase on all of our job descriptions, just making sure that we're stating that we care about diversity and inclusion, which we do, um, through to looking at even the, the words that we use in those job descriptions mm. if we're hiring. So... Um, Words can be neutral, they can be feminine, they can be masculine, they can be quite gender diverse. So making sure that we're using terms that don't just reflect the industry, which may be historically male, perhaps, or or maybe historically female in certain areas, Mm. that we're open to all. Um, We've done some unconscious bias training. um, And we're also um, looking at our own mission and sort of quick wins that we can do in the space. But naturally, one of the biggest areas for us is our events and making sure that we have diversity um, and equality on the stage. Um, Even the people that we train with, we're starting to look at who they are, what they represent, what examples they use. Does that fit in with the bigger thing? Um, It's very much something we're weaving through all of the things that we're doing rather than it being sort of a siloed activity in a certain space within the IAB. And you see that um, far too often, I think, for for conferences that you go to, you know, you'll have the diversity panel and it feels a bit tick box. I think the better way is to try and weave it through your doing, as you're saying. It can be very vanity. And that's Mm. obviously, in some respects, when when companies start out and really need to do it, sometimes you've just got to stick a stake in the ground and do something. Mm. And you might not do it right, but the fact that you're sort of sitting up, taking notice, recognising it, it is key. And then it's working out how far you go across all the areas. Yeah. But weaving is, is is the thing that I think that we need to do the most. And uh, given it's Leadership Summit Week, um, what are you looking forward to at this year's summit? Well, I think there's there's, there's a range of speakers looking at diversity. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting one will be Diageo, mm. um, because they're looking, talking honestly about what they've done internally. And, and they've spoken to all their agencies and asked them what their gender pay gaps are and, and how they're res- resolving that and, and what the breakdown of the teams are. And I think those sorts of steps are really fundamental. It, yeah. it helps if we've got people talking about those things honestly on stage. Yeah, Gronje is going to be amazing and you can listen to all of that good stuff in the next episode, episode three uh, of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming in and braving the rain today, Sophia. I appreciate it. You're welcome. 1,200. It's a decent sized number. In fact, it's the distance in miles between Los Angeles and Dallas, Texas. Well, it's actually 1,241 miles for those of you that are sticklers for detail. And here at the IAB, we boast more than 1,200 member organisations. So every episode, we'll be choosing one at random and asking them to pick a willing representative to take on our notorious 10 quickfire questions. This time, we ventured over to Quantcast's offices to meet their UK managing director, Ben Murphy. It was the usual drill for Ben. He had 60 seconds to answer 10 of our most fiendish questions. So let's have a listen and see how it played out. So we're here today, we're on Shaftesbury Avenue and we're at the Quantcast HQ and we're talking to the UK Managing Director, Ben Murphy. Hello, Ben. Hi, James. How are you? Very well, thank you. So uh, you know the deal. It's 10 questions. You've got 60 seconds to get through them all. Uh, Let's get stuck into them. Uh, So start the clock. What's the most useless piece of technology you wish you'd never bought? I bought a pager uh, two weeks before uh, the Motorola mobile phone came out, so it was pretty useless. (laughs) Best boss you've ever had? Um, I'm going to go with an amalgamation of Giles Ivey, Giles, um, James Wildman and Simon Dalgleish with a little bit of Matt White. Uh, Favourite emoji? It's got to be the thumbs up. Uh, the last app you downloaded? Um, interesting, my wife 
told me to download an app called Be My Eyes. Oh. I won't go into it, but you should check it out. Uh, the most obscure piece of feedback you've ever been given? Um, I once got told that I looked like Demi Moore in Ghost. <laughs> do, do you embody the characteristics of your star sign? I'm a Scorpio, so no. I'm not, I haven't got a sting in my tail at all. Uh, what's your Uber rating? It's a 4.79. Yeah. But I'm a talker, so <laughs> I think that's gone a long way to getting there. Uh, what's the last time someone called you Benjamin? My actual name on my birth certificate is Ben, so oh. never. But um, Steve McHenry at Oath calls me Little Benny Murphy quite nice. a lot. Uh, the starter dish from Italy consisting of grilled bread rubbed with garlic and topped with olive oil and salt, bruschetta or bruschetta? In North London it's called bruschetta. Uh, and what would you be doing if you didn't work in digital advertising? Um... I think I would have been an international travel photographer. <laughs> incredible, <laughs> incredible career. Uh, ben, that's your 10 questions in 60 seconds. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for this week. Hopefully you're more clued up on all things transparency and at the very least know the right sorts of questions to be asking. Thanks once again to our sponsor, Verizon Media. And if you like the podcast, please do subscribe and give us that sought-after five-star rating. And if you know somebody you think might find the podcast interesting, then sharing is caring. We'll be back in two weeks' time with the 2019 Leadership Summit Special. If you can't make it to Sopwell House in St Albans, here on the podcast, we'll be summing up all the key points and takeaways and hearing from our distinguished summit guests. As ever, if you want more information on what the IAB does or how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thanks for listening. The IAB Podcast, sponsored by Verizon Media.